is full of mysteries. This is just one of them. STFU. This is Matt's Mysteries Resurrection. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Matt's Mysteries. As always, I am your humble, eccentric, and questionably intelligent human slash possible lizard man and host, Matt. Uh, and I am joined tonight by fantabulous, awesome sauce, amazing streamer, occultist, and acolyte of goblin speak, aka the English language, the other Matt. The better Matt. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> 1,000% incorrect. That's, that's a mystery for another day. Uh, unsolvable. <laughs> requires too many people. I'll pass it off yes, to the, uh, the mystery, uh, what is it? Um, mystery Inc. from Scooby-Doo. Perfect. I'm sure the dog will figure it out. Well, it's like you mentioned how we're like the worst Scooby-Doo like rip off so it's like you know uh that meme where it's like ma i want to watch scooby-doo and it's like well we got scooby-doo at home and we're like scooby-doo at home <laughs> we're the matt squared squad <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord okay well <laughs> this debauchery of mystery hunting um <laughs> this th this episode we are looking into what has been widely condemned as a hoax, but may have some, some you know, little, little truth turds of mystery beneath it. Uh, this is the, the bizarre and very peculiar case of the Minnesota Iceman. Alright, with all that said, these are the facts. Throughout the 1960s, and by some accounts, well into the 1980s, a humanoid oddity was paraded around fairs and carnivals across the United States. Allegedly discovered and absolutely exploited by promoter and exhibitor Frank Hansen, this oddity has since been dubbed, quote, the Minnesota Iceman, end quote. This specimen is described as a male, hairy, humanoid creature standing roughly six feet tall, with large hands and feet, dark brown hair averaging roughly four inches long, as well as an upturned nose with large nostrils. In addition, one of its eyes appeared to be dislodged, the result of an apparent head injury. Finally, its left arm was stretched above its head, while the right hung down and seemed to hold its penis up across its abdomen. 
there's a joke somewhere in all that. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that with your like cleanest voice I've ever heard anyone say penis in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you know the 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 penis game you'd play in like elementary school where kids just yell penis as loud as they can. Then there's that one kid in the background with like the best like baritone voice just going penis. <laughs> and it stops everyone dead and they're like even though you didn't yell it you win that's it you win okay, yeah i just never heard the announcer voice <laughs> it, it's my penis in my life i'm like this is my new favorite thing now it, it, like it's kind of like when you watch those true crime documentaries and they have you know like a really soft spoken or someone with a really like powerful voice and they have to say something like that and and when they say it it kind of takes you out of the immersion because you're like did, did they just did they just say it like so smoothly with perfect inflection and you're like oh oh shit all right oh, okay i'm i'm here for that like whatever that's all good now that you've mentioned that all i want to hear before i die is morgan freeman saying penis in his <laughs> narrator voice just sitting that's in a chair I, just, I am morgan freeman and then just a long pause <laughs> and just penis so the the joke in all of this is that it's uh if you've ever watched super bad Jonah Hill at one point goes, you know, you ever get a boner and then flick it up into the the waistband of your pants and it feels really good for a second? That's that's what this that's what this uh, Minnesota Ice Man was doing. He just didn't he just didn't have pants, so he's like, I'll use my hand. It's fine. I think my favorite part about that is is that he received head trauma while doing this, and <laughs> that opens up a whole bunch of other questions. Yeah. So his the eye was dislodged. So. Uh, one another thing that they pointed out to, uh, I believe in in certain publications, is that he didn't uh, he didn't have like the distinct like really heavy brow that a lot of you know Bigfoot humanoid quote unquote all these things has, but it was still pronounced enough that it was not like a dude, and so this this person was or this this creature was most likely shot in the back of the head. That's, like, that was, I think they were saying, like, ballistically, that's exactly how the eye would just right out of its socket, but, like, not just, you know, whatever. So, yeah, suffered major head trauma that likely killed it, um, and then while it was dying, decided to stretch while holding its junk, you know, it's fine. It's like, please, if you're gonna take pictures of my body for science, just respect, respect my privacy. This is literally like paint me one of your French girls. Like <laughs> as he's dying, he's just like, uh, pretty much, yeah. I've always noticed with these stories, all of the hoax things, whether or not they are or not, why are they always anatomically correct? I, right. <laughs> I. You know what? Think about it this way. So, imagine the person who, like, if if this was legit, just like a suit or something like that like imagine the person who made it imagine the person who commissioned it it's like listen i can imagine actually the person who commissioned it was like you know what no we need to make it as realistic as possible but can you imagine the person like i'm gonna try and think of what an early human's dick looked like and then i'm gonna try and replicate it with (laughs) rubber like let's let's go it's like it's like the first, you know, toy, like the first, you know, purchase a man that you we've heard of in a while, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's 
<laughs> and then it snaps off and it's the first like you know silicone dildo to enter existence in this oh in the 1960s God. it just comes off and they're like wait a second we can do something with this <laughs> Yeah, like uh, <laughs> someone, someone at like one of the car, like one of the carnies, picks it up and looks at it, and it's just like this. Better not awaken anything in me, right? So this this kind of ties into um, the episode that I did involving the Ketty Cabin murders, where the artist rendition of the child's description of the two alleged murderers in in that case was just laughable. You know, like it's the way that I described it is like you go and you go and you buy ice cream and they have like a SpongeBob ice cream pop or something. And the picture looks very different from what you get. And that's kind of what I would imagine is kind of what's happening here. Uh, I would I would almost imagine that some of it's probably just the fact that they can't really like a lot of it's obscured. and, And even in the ice, like a lot of the ice would probably be thick enough that it's, you know, kind of hiding certain elements of the creature's anatomy but beyond that it's yeah like um forensic art and like like you know composite sketching has come a long way in the past well this was 1968 so oh what would that 50 53 years or something like that so you know over those decades the uh the the science and the art behind it has evolved quite a bit. So I feel like if this happened now, one, they would have been able to prove if it was a hoax in like 10 minutes. But two, the composite sketch that came out would have been like hella detailed unless they got like a junior kindergartner to do it, in which case it would have looked like it came out of the 60s. Right, and here's my thing. Like, this has been available for viewership everywhere. Like, why did they base the sketch off of a picture yeah that's kind of weird too that is kind of weird too i i i'm not sure i wonder if i wonder if um and this might tie into the uh the theories later but i wonder if uh frank hansen actually uh had anything to do with that because he he only allowed people to look at it from a certain distance and like there were a lot of restrictions while it was traveling in the in the circuses um Mm -hmm. probably for the sake of either attracting unwanted attention or you know having some schmuck kid go up to it and be like i'm gonna chip a piece of ice off and like you know have have the whole thing crumble because it's only like an inch thick uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that that's definitely something to consider i feel like it, it, he's he's uh he's a bit of a con man but we'll uh we'll get into that later mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i just keep looking at it and it's so funny it gets funnier the, the longer you look yeah <laughs> and imagine the person who had to draw that dick like you you, you can't see the actual <laughs> penal but you can see you can see the uh the, the two eggs in a hanky that are are you know <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> just sitting how, there how big does this shaft have to be he's hung like a moose i don't know he's hung like an early Perfect. an early earth's history humanoid we love it <laughs> yeah you know i can imagine like in their own priv- primitive language like different early ancestors to humans walking around and you know like through grunts and stuff going like look at og 
Og hung like Gigantopithecus. And you're just oh like, oh, oh, damn, okay. Og. Like, that's why people like you. <laughs> it's like it drags behind you when you walk. Okay, that's great. Ah, ah, I see. That's why you have all of the women coming to your camp. I see. <laughs> no arguments. I get it. As previously mentioned, the creature was not unveiled to the world through scientific channels or anything of the sort. Rather, it was showcased as a sideshow attraction throughout the traveling carnival circuits. The first recorded interaction between the Minnesota Iceman and anyone with an educated background took place in 1968, when a young naturalist at the local university in Minnesota named Terry Cullen was browsing through the animals on display at the International Livestock Exhibition in Chicago when he stumbled on Hansen's spectacle. Obviously intrigued, Cullen paid the 35 cent fee and studied the creature as closely and thoroughly as he was permitted, concluding it was the real deal. Cullen then contacted Ivan T. Sanderson a noted naturalist and occultist, as well as one of the leading authors on Bigfoot and the Abominable Snowman. I love the Abominable Snowman. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just, I can't get over the name because it's it's got Snowman in it. You're just like, oh, And I can't help but, well, yeah, and I can't help but think of, um... Buddy from Monsters, Inc. I keep thinking of the one from Rudolph where everyone thinks it's like a terrifying beast. Turns out he just wants friends. Yeah, he needs some dental work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the, all the, the tales of, like, the lion with the, the thorn in its paw, and it's a huge dick to everyone until it gets the thorn taken out, and then it's like, oh, it's actually just really nice. It was just pissed off because it was in pain. That That's regularly me on a you know, semi-regular basis. Just have, like, a thumbtack sticking out of every one of your toes, and you're like, <laughs> one right? someone like, will pull one out, and you're just nice to them all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I guess I hate you less. When Sanderson got the message, he was hosting an assorted group of occultists and paranormalists, with one happening to be the father of cryptozoology himself, Belgian-French zoologist, Bernard Huevelmans, and I've probably mispronounced that, but we're just gonna run with it. Like moths to a flame, the two men quickly departed to see this creature for themselves and document whatever they found. On December the 17th, 1968, the men came face to face with the Sibarskoy creature also known as the Minnesota Iceman. Like Cullen, both Sanderson and Huevelmans believed that the creature was indeed authentic, and were convinced that it was not a latex mannequin or any sort of hoax of that nature. Most notably, they allegedly claimed that they found putrefaction where some of the flesh had been exposed from the melted ice. So that's an important little factoid that will actually crop up a little later, because 
if this was indeed a hoax, then that shouldn't happen. For sure. But here's my major... Now I have a major problem. Because you brought cryptozoologists into it. And I'm not going to lie. Even with all of my studies, those are the only people I don't trust most of the time. Oh, I the second they say something... I'm like, uh, we gotta relook at this. I'm not a hundred percent sure about this one. Like, I can, I can kind of hang on to, you know, like, like, give them the benefit of the doubt if, uh, you know, like you have one who's like, oh, he's a director of like primate, uh, primate biology at this university, and is also a cryptozoologist in Bigfoot research, and you're like, okay, well, you kind of have the the background in in the right kind of biology, so. Maybe what you say is a little bit true, but if it's like a guy who used to run like a used car dealership and is now like, I'm studying the Loch Ness Monster, you're like, no, no, man, no. Go, 100% go, go sell your Priuses, like, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, we regularly, every time I see them, like, on the History Channel, which is weird and already a red flag. If it's on the History Channel, it's a red flag. <laughs> they always look like the type of person that on their Tinder profile holds a fish. We have coined the term that it's the emotional support fish, and every <laughs> single one of them looks like they have one. It's ridiculous. Oh, that's hilarious. It's those fish that um, that can exist out of water for a certain amount of time, and they have, like, appendages that they can walk with, and they just they just walk their emotional support fish. Yeah, they're just walking their emotional support fish. He's just like, <laughs> you know, come on, Fabian, it's time for a walk. Like, I, guys, I could really use you. They don't believe me as a cryptozoologist. In in the fish's brain, which I would imagine is, it, like, its internal monologue is Patrick Stewart, is just like, this man is a crook. Or, like, <laughs> this man is a quack. I am Patrick Stewart. And you're just like, you know, that's that's the sitcom of this man's life. Right, and this poor fish just is can't speak. But he's just like... <laughs> Looks bubble, at bubble. Patrick Stewart, <laughs> looks at our wish version of a zoologist. <laughs> it's just like, not even saying anything or blubbing at him. He's just staring. I lost my headphones from laughing at that. <laughs> they, they tried to nope off my head because they were like, yeah, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. You know, like, I like to watch documentaries and and even like the more mockumentary style ones on you know cryptozoology and any of that kind of stuff because it does intrigue me not not from the sense of like you know i i call it the ancient aliens effect where you know and another history channel property where they they sensationalize it and they throw out just bullshit facts and like have these quote-unquote experts come in and, and throw out buzzwords to try and rile up the, the stupids. And it's like, I'll watch the ones that aren't complete hogwash. I'll, I'll say where they actually bring in like legitimate scientists and, and, you know, anthropologists and whatever to try and genuinely get something of merit. But then there are other ones. There are other ones where it's just, yeah, like, you watch, like, the first 15 minutes of it, and you're like, no. Yeah, it's it's sad. I've basically built a career on making fun of the History Channel because <laughs> of how ridiculous it is. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Like, 1,000% all for it. 
Huevelmans published his findings in a prestigious Belgian journal with the theory that the Minnesota Iceman was a new, previously undiscovered species that he dubbed Homo pongoides. We'll go with that. Which had evolved yeah, backwards know. from the Neanderthal, becoming more ape-like as a result. Sanderson also published his findings, though for an Italian journal, with his theory that the creature is likely a distant relative of the extinct Gigantopithecus. So, sidebar, I, I genuinely, like, I'm not a man of science. I, I'm, I love science. Specifically, I love space and all things space-related, but mm -hmm. just, like, from a, an evolution standpoint, I I don't know if you can evolve backwards. Like, I know if the situation pertains to it and, like, that's, like, survival of the fittest kind of... But it would take, like... Wouldn't it take, like, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years for you to, like, like devolve back to that state? Usually, yes. And on top of that, you, you would usually evolve sideways. You would never go back. Exactly. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if you were to become more ape-like, it's not that you would resemble an ape like you once well like you know what like once we once did in, in you know historical record but it, yeah like i would imagine it's like oh well they have certain advantages in you know like how they grip things with their hands and how their hands are constructed and so okay well we're going to evolve that way or you know like their the way that their feet are structured or their the, their junk and <laughs> that's mm -hmm. that's that's just it it's his, his junk that evolved and uh yeah so it's kind of weird and and it, this kind of ties back into what you were saying about cryptozoologists in that these people are not scientists and so for someone to go and publish this in a prestigious belgian journal saying he evolved backwards it's like mm -hmm. i can just imagine the entire scientific community reading that and simultaneously facepalming so hard that they created a mini black hole. I, I also imagine that. I imagine that the pressure was so immense that you could, at that moment, mock the bottom of the ocean. It's just, yeah, like, I, I don't know. The second theory makes a little more sense. It's like maybe it's a distant relative of Gigantopithecus. That makes a little more sense because you know it's like an offshoot you know like it's a, it's a distant cousin of another species or or something to that effect and it's like you know at least at that point it makes a little more sense you're like gigantopithecus is supposedly what like eight to eight to twelve feet tall broad shoulders built like a truck hung like a moose and then you got this guy who's six feet tall also hung like a moose but is like you know it's there's an offshoot that makes yeah. a little more a little more sense to me. Um, they're both quacks. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, I think that it's just a bunch of BS at that point. Like you're trying to make a theory when you don't even have it off ice. Like, I, well, and the other problem with it is, it's like when you make an initial theory, you don't you don't go straight to the most prestigious uh, magazine you can. Generally, you play around with it, like a lot. Like, I, the best part is, is these guys wrote for prestigious journals, whatever, you know, and, and granted, it was in the 60s, so there was a lot of time to really, like, examine this under a microscope, and the best part 
is if you look at anything credible now, like scientific journal and stuff like that, they're all articles about people disproving it. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the best thing that I, I love. It's just they're not here to be like, maybe we'll try and argue the case for it. They're like, no, this is batshit Looney Tunes. Yep. It, it's so much harder to officialize anything of that sort now, which in some ways is great. And in other ways, yeah, I get it. It takes away from the wonderment, the fantastic. But, like, I would rather my fantasy come from being very knowledgeable and being aware of what's fake than my fantasies coming out of just being kept ignorant. You know, that's that's the one thing that I always rip on when it comes to, like, these documentaries on cryptozoology is it always ends the exact same way like you can you can watch pretty much any bigfoot documentary in existence i haven't seen all of them don't at me i'm just speaking hypothetically but you could pretty much watch all of them and they all if they involve some sort of investigation they all end the same way so it goes into you know like they do all the the pseudoscience behind everything and early ape human ancestors and this that and the other thing then they get into the investigation and then there's always some piece of evidence whether it's like the screams and the whoops or there's like they find hair or footprints or something and they always find something but the episode always ends with someone who's probably more credible than everyone else going this is inconclusive and that's when they, you know, the, the epic voice narrator at the end is like, inconclusive. That means, law and order sound effect, that Bigfoot may in fact exist and roam the redwood forests in California. Tune in next week when we search for Megalodon. Will we find right. teeth? Probably, because fossils exist. And then you're just like, <laughs> all right, great. Thanks, guys. And then you find out that through, like, some bullshit conflict of interest, that buddy that said it was inconclusive was paid a handsome, handsome amount by whatever producer was making this program to to say literally those two words. The rest of it is all accurate. Yeah, we got DNA profiles from this, 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 and this. But instead of saying, yeah, it was from the North American, like, you know, house hippo, or, like, it was from a beaver, they were like, no, it's inconclusive. It's a coarse hair that's, like... It could be from anything. It's like, yeah, it's from Mitch, the camera guy. Right, and also thank you so much for including the house hippo. I've always wanted one, and uh, I was shattered. I love those commercials. So, ironically, though, when it comes to what you're saying here, because I agree, and now I'm going to take back a little bit of the agreement, like what you're saying with the cryptozoologist, if these guys had been someone like William T. Cox... I would have more understanding of what he's saying and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I could kind of see it. But the fact that these guys are just kind of nameless people and they were like, yeah, no, it's obvious. This is clearly some sort of theoretical bullshit. Yeah, I can imagine nowadays, like, these these would be the people who would go on, like, InfoWars and be like, just, you know, you know how Alex Jones yells everything? He doesn't talk. He's, he's like Louis Black doing comedy. He just has to yell everything. Or like, just any, any one of those comedians, like Dane Cook or Aziz Ansari, they're always yelling their comedy. And so that's Alex Jones, just he's not funny. He's a schmuck. And 
you you get moments like that where they would be on Infowars just yelling like, it's obvious, it's an early ape ancestor, you don't understand, don't be sheeple. Like, <laughs> and that's that's just it. They're just yelling. It's, you know. My point makes more sense if I yell it. Yeah, it's, they're so credible. They have to yell for everyone to hear them. However, Sanderson also took action against Hansen the man parading the alleged missing link across the country. He believed that the creature was of great zoological importance and as such must be rescued from the carnival circuit where it could be examined by experts. Thinking quickly, Sanderson devised a plan to have Hansen busted for breaking some law, any law that could see ownership of the Iceman transferred to the right hands and away from the freak show. So this gets really interesting, and you'll find out why in a sec, because this guy goes to crazy lengths. Like, I have to commend him for his effort alone. Like, A-plus for effort, and that's it. This sounds a little bit like a crazy ex-girlfriend that doesn't want you, that doesn't want to leave your dog. He alerted the Bureau of Customs, the Department of Agriculture, the Department of the Interior, as well as the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. Sanderson even contacted his contacts at the Smithsonian Institution, where its secretary reported to the FBI that Hansen was illegally transporting a corpse across state lines, and that a scientific journal, likely Sanderson's, had reported that it was a human who had been fatally shot. This person contacted five departments of like the United States government, as well as someone at the Smithsonian that he knew, who then went to the FBI and said that, that Frank Hansen murdered a guy. So six governmental bodies and the Smithsonian are now involved in some capacity. Like, jeez. This guy surpassed tinfoil hat about five steps ago. Well, I, I kind of understand the effort, at least. Like, he, he really wanted to get the Iceman out of Buddy's hands. That was, like, that was the end goal. So he was basically like, I'm going to fuck this guy over however I can. So he just, it's one of those things where it's like, sir, we're surrounded it's like great we can shoot in all directions that's kind of basically what it is it's like i can just shoot anywhere with this like broad spectrum of you know threads and hopefully one of them will land on one part of the <clears throat> excuse me on one part of the the tree that makes up the u.s government system and that's yeah that's pretty much what ended up happening is is he contacted five departments and then the fbi got involved well you know yeah it's just kind of the spray and pray method like oh we'll catch him on something pretty much that was just it and like i can understand to an extent all of these things because i mean at least with like with customs and agriculture like it, it has to do with transporting what was once something alive um potentially every everything else like there's probably some sort of loophole that 
it would fit into. Um, the FBI, it's, it's kind of interesting because Sanderson contacted someone at the Smithsonian. They then contacted the FBI and, and it's not, I don't know if it's ever been determined whether or not Sanderson was the one who told, uh, his contact at the Smithsonian that he was transporting a corpse and that it may have been a human or if that contact then basically concocted the story and if, if that's the case then it's just like there there's just so many levels that are just now building on this to get this one dude held accountable for more than five minutes yeah my question is is how the hell does every single weirdo with the cryptid zoologist title know somebody from the smithsonian how does this keep happening? Like, you'll you'll see it throughout all sorts of stories where we kind of end up proving that it's either a hoax or that at least there's a chance that it was a hoax. They always know a Smithsonian guy. Every single time. I can just imagine that a lot of these people just hang out there a lot. And it's just like, you know, there are the people that they're friendly with and, and will speak with and whatever. And they just have business cards where it's like, you know... Um, Ivan Sanderson, cryptozoologist, and then in brackets underneath it says "not crazy," and they, they, <laughs> they just like hand it out to people, and like the one person that calls them back, they just latch on and become a stage five clinger for the rest of that person's life. It's a symbiotic relationship, except you know, not in the way you think. It turns real parasitic real quick. I was gonna say it like it, it festers very fast. It's, uh, <laughs> it's literally like he calls and it's like, oh, guys, it's Sanderson again. Who wants to take this call? I don't want to. Not it. Not it. Yeah. And then the one secretary that picked up the phone was just like, oh, fuck, it's Ivan. <laughs> <sighs> well, he knows I'm here. I can't tell him I'm to lunch. It's just like, hey, Ivan, what's up, man? How's it going? How's the fish? He's <laughs> <And> just like, <laughs> it's like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Nobody's going to believe that. In the you just picture Ivan like blabbing on the phone like no it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a undiscovered species it's Gigantomithecus or whatever and it's just like no like dude trust me like I work for a museum nobody nobody's gonna believe that okay you know what I'm gonna do trust me okay we're gonna get this guy I'm gonna call the FBI and tell him he killed a guy how's that just like well it, it, what it's like, yeah I'm just that's that's more plausible than the shit you're spewing right now so we're just gonna do that go pet your fish. And then he just like hangs up the phone and Ivan's just, <laughs> Ivan just turns around and, and his buddy is just standing right behind him. And he's just like, I think we may have got him. <laughs> and then the fish in the background is just rolling its eyes. Like right with the Patrick Stewart voice, just like you haven't got anything. I am Patrick Stewart. And that's, that's the sitcom. This is my new favorite, like <laughs> part of everything. It's just like, just thinking about the sitcom that had to have happened in order for this to go on so i'm about to i'm about to blow all your minds and by blow all your minds i mean i'm not gonna blow all your minds because it's redonkulous the 60s were wild dude <laughs> well seriously like you know all all the all the cool stuff that was going down all the shitty stuff that was going down and then there's this I mean, honestly, in 2021, can you imagine one person getting a hold of all six of these people, all five or six of these people? Yeah. <laughs> I know Frank Hansen is, has since passed away. I don't know about the other people involved, but it'd be kind of interesting to do like a Netflix special on them and then like have them all come back at the end. And it's just like, 
you know, after the Iceman. And then that's like the, it's like a 40 minutes round table segment where they're all like crotchety old men just like, you know, in my day, our emotional support fish were actually emotional support salamanders. I desperately, I desperately just want one of them to admit that they have an emotional support fish. I desperately want that in my life. <laughs> just this old guy to find, be like, fine, yes, I had an emotional support fish. God. This you is... can't be a scientist without an emotional support fish. Just kidding. Only cryptozoologists can have one. Like all of the cases we've investigated with law enforcement inclusion, these reports went absolutely nowhere, as these factions saw no reason to investigate what was deemed a sideshow attraction. This attention, however, did catch the eye of Smithsonian Institution Director of Primate Biology, Dr. John Napier and he quickly wrote to Hansen requesting that he see the specimen for himself. However, likely due to a surge of unwanted attention, which is rich considering he paraded the creature around literal carnivals and exhibitions, the reply Napier received was allegedly from a relative of Hansen's, who claimed that Hansen had disappeared to quote, Florida or California or somewhere, end quote, and was therefore unreachable, adding that the true owner of the Iceman had reclaimed it from Hansen, and as such, was impossible to examine. From this point on, any correspondence from Hansen inquiring about the Iceman was met with the claim that what he was showcasing was nothing more than a rubber model, cast from the original, to keep the show going. So... This is what you're, this is the guy, this is what you were talking about. He, uh, as soon as they lit the fire under his ass, he went to Florida or California or somewhere and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, switched it out for a, a made for TV rubber dummy. Mm -hmm. Uh, he is uh, a little, a little sus. It's a little sus. It's a little, little, little not right something there. So there are two theories and th there's nothing overly substantial behind either of them. But having said that, it is still fun to evaluate them. And I think that there's probably something in between both of these that would ultimately be considered the truth. So with all that said, this first theory is something that I've dubbed the rubber body hoax. The only true evidence that the original body was genuine came from Frank Hansen himself, who did little to help his credibility by changing the origin story of the creature at least three times. But what about Sanderson and Hevelman's testimonies, you might ask? Well, upon learning that Hansen had spilled the beans to Napier, of the creature being a mere rubber replica, Sanderson quickly took to comparing photos from his original viewing against newly published photos of what was deemed by Hansen to be the replica. 
Sanderson found that the patterns of the ice crystals under the glass were the same, and that the freezer unit also appeared to be the same, which led him to conclude that there was no way Hansen had replaced the Iceman with a replica. Furthermore, in a 2013 episode of the A&E show Shipping Wars, this rubber replica was showcased to the world in high def. In the episode, a truck driver was tasked with picking up the Iceman from Cottage Grove, Minnesota and delivering it to the Museum of the Weird in Austin, Texas. At the start of the journey, the creature is firmly encased in ice. However, after the 36-hour trek to Austin, a good portion of the ice had melted, and the A&E camera crew had caught ample, and I mean ample, amounts of video of the creature's face and raised arms, looking as if they were freshly molded. The new owner of the Iceman expressed little concern over the melted state of his exhibit, also indicating that he too firmly believed it to be nothing more than a rubber mold used as a hoax to trick the masses years prior. Yeah, there's a lot of... It's not damning, but it's pretty damning. Yeah, but there's so many holes. This feels a little Swiss cheesy. It does. So the one thing I will say, and, and they actually, I don't know if it was A&E specifically, but there was an interview with the dude who bought the, the, the Iceman for the museum. And he, he does mention in his interview that he was aware of the fact that like years prior, because keep in mind, this is 2013, you know, in like, I think it was the... Like, I think it was the 70s. He came out and said that it was a rubber uh, replica. So that would have been public knowledge for years, you know, like 30, 40 years prior to him purchasing this thing. So he, he would have known well ahead of time that it was, it was rubber. Meaning that there's a very, like, there's, there's a lot of credibility behind the reason why he would not be worried that it melted because he knew ahead of time. And it makes, at least at that point, it makes sense. The, the thing that confuses me, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this in the, the second theory, is that, you know, Sanderson went from being so firm in his resolve. He was like, 100%, it's real. I wrote an article about it. I took pictures of it. I examined it up close. It's real. And as soon as he finds out that Hansen had said we switched it out with a replica he immediately like immediately belly flops and he goes oh no it's fake I lied I, I probably yeah. lied it's fake and there's like two trains of thought on that either a he was helping to sensationalize this thing or it just doesn't make sense or something real sus is going on that both of them switched what they were saying right away the way that i see it is you know it's either it's either one of two things so my, my like and what i'm saying is regarding sanderson flip-flopping is either he's more or less just a bandwagoner and he's more 
just following you know what is at the time the most popular consensus and you'd have to consider that no one of real credibility had looked at the the Iceman when him and, and his partner went and investigated it the only other person with any sort of knowledge was someone from the University of Minnesota who contacted them so everyone before that would have seen it and would have been ignorant enough to say 1000% unequivocally it is the real deal because a man in a flashy suit twirling a cane in a carnival told me so and so he would have probably like if he's a bandwagoner he would have jumped on to that and just latched on but then the second opinions shift he's now saying oh well no it's actually not because this is the most popular thing to believe at the time that's true and i guess we do have to look backwards because if he tried that now everybody would be pulling receipts oh yeah i i like i wish that this existed now and not in the 60s because i feel like all the holes that exist would just not exist yeah but I just, I, I wonder if something happened and he needed to be shut up. And obviously, I don't think a side carnival guy has the ability to whack this guy, but maybe pay him off or something because maybe there was some truth to it because this is supposedly the second body that's in there. Exactly. The way that I see it is... They were so firm in their resolve to so quickly in, like, and immediately dismiss it as a fake. And, and you, know, you also got to consider, so this is something that's a little weird to me. So I don't know, I don't know too much about photography and like analyzing photography, but he compared pictures of the, like he compared two, two pictures side by side did they like they they didn't explain what kind of technology was used they didn't explain if he just like held them up against the light and like eyeballed it but he goes yeah the the ice crystals are the exact same like how the fuck do you know that you're a cryptozoologist man right okay as a photographer i or ex-photographer i have something behind this especially given that time it would have been where there was cracking it would have been when there was shading and all of that kind of business so, but nobody who isn't a photographer or at least has taken a reasonable amount of time to learn about photography would have any idea what that means. So that is just straight bullshit spewing out of that guy's mouth. For sure. Exactly. Like that, when I read that, I was like, really guy? Like, re- really? That's, that's the card you're pulling right now. Yeah. In fact, if you gave me two photos from the seventies and told me, Hey, can you spot the differences? It would take me modern technology to figure it out because I'm a, a stupid dumb dumb who had to go to a college and not a university in order to learn how to tell the differences and to take pictures. So somebody who went to Phoenix, Arizona or a wish version of it, there's no way. There's just no way he would be able to do that. Yeah, I I agree, right? It's like, you know looking at those two pictures side by side and you also got to consider um one of them was his own photo and he he actually compared it with something that was published in a newspaper so he's looking at a newspaper picture 
in the like late 60s to like mid 70s i'm not sure the exact year so it's it's like taking you know taking a picture now on your phone and you print it out on on you know like an 8 by 10 or something and then you find the same picture not taken by your phone by someone else published in like a newspaper but then they they scaled it back like i don't, I don't know like it's just the, the it's you can't look at that and then compare it to a newspaper picture and be like it's the same thing mm-hmm. it's it's very difficult to do especially without you know with with the limited access to technology because remember this guy's a cryptozoologist it's not like he's he's got all this shit in his basement you know like it's why they have to go to people with actual centrifuges and stuff like that to like analyze hair samples because you know you you think if they had that stuff by themselves bigfoot would be uh, like a legitimate thing now because and i'm not saying legitimate as in like legitimately exists it's like people they would come out and be like i put it in my centrifuge in the basement it said i was bigfoot i have a turn mm-hmm. it's it said bigfoot in big letters in the dos screen and you're just like so it's the same thing it's yeah either dude was was hushed or he was you know or he's just a bandwagoner or he's just one of those guys who doesn't want to sacrifice his credibility or lack thereof and so he just hopped onto whatever the most popular consensus was at the time so that he's with the mob at that point that's all you can do because like we were saying if it was modern he would be held to that standard and he would be quote-unquote canceled or he'd just be so embarrassed he'd leave exactly and that's that's yeah i just don't think i think that there is a lot of credibility behind it being a fake maybe not 100 percent, but obviously like there there a fake does exist because it, it exists in texas right now and we know that for sure but yeah let's let's get into the second theory because that is where we start to kind of unravel some of these things and i propose a couple of theories myself that i thought about when i was going through this that are are we'll say thought-provoking to say the least so i couldn't think of i couldn't think of a, a catchy like name like the rubber body hoax so this theory just says some truth to henson's story question mark it's so ridiculous that nobody knows Although Sanderson concluded that the replica and the original were one and the same, he could not explain away their previous claims that there were portions of the specimen that showed putrefaction where the skin was exposed. If their claim was accurate, then how could a rubber dummy that is clearly fake show such signs? Furthermore. Why did the Smithsonian secretary claim that Hansen was transporting a corpse that had been killed? There is a theory that states that Hansen had either directly or indirectly participated in events during the Vietnam War that had led to the fatal shooting and later encasing in ice of a human, or albeit a longer shot, a humanoid creature. So that's the theory that I kind of proposed was, 
like he his origin story changed three times i forget what the third one is specifically but the first one was that it was shot and killed in siberia and you know it was shot and killed in siberia and for the purposes of preserving it they froze it in like i think a lake or something like that and then basically just cut it out and then moved it the second theory is that he actually got it through a mysterious benefactor from the he literally called him an eccentric billionaire from california the the second origin states that he the benefactor actually purchased or somehow accumulated or was involved with or did the deed himself but found this creature in vietnam and shot and killed it and then brought it back to the states so my immediate thought went to well it took place during the vietnam war what if for for one reason or another frank hansen or if this mysterious benefactor exists and it wasn't legitimately a uh like uh, an eccentric billionaire from california and went to vietnam and had shot and killed a guy and literally just brought it back to the states in a big hunk of ice then i think that's that's maybe not the whole bringing it back in ice thing but like transporting the body back to the states you know schmoozing it up a little bit with some hair and whatever to make it look like a a fucking monster or like a like an ape-like creature and then putting it in in a freezer and just keeping it on ice is a lot more credible than saying you shot a Bigfoot and then like, you know, it's not a Bigfoot. It's a, it's a rubber dummy. And I think at that point too, because we have the proportions of like, and like this, this has the proportions at least physically of a normal dude. It's like mm-hmm. six feet tall, slightly longer arms, but that's not unusual for some people, you know, large hands, large feet, also not unusual for some people. And some people do have the facial characteristics that give them a more upturned nose. And you'd also have to consider that some of these things could have been altered after the fact. So, you know, it's just, it could have, it could have been something to that effect. It may not have been a Vietnamese person specifically. It may have been someone that was a a casualty that, that this person shot or that was shot and they, they took back. And is basically just using as a sideshow experiment, not experiment, but like exhibit now. And if that is genuinely the case, then it would make sense for the FBI to get involved. Because yeah, at that point, Buddy's literally transporting a body across state lines, which is a, is a crime. And not only that, it's just my my one question was, why in the actual hell would like legitimately speaking because they don't have a concrete recording of the conversation between sanderson and his contact at the smithsonian so we don't know if sanderson flat out just said he murdered a guy but we do know that sanderson contacted the smithsonian and said something and then Mm -hmm. buddy at the smithsonian immediately contacts the fbi and says dude shot and killed someone put it in ice and is now transporting it across state lines that's it's a huge leap from it's just because because you got to consider if if he wants it out of the hands of 
Frank Hansen, like if he wants the the Minnesota Iceman into different hands to be studied and researched by like scientific experts, calling the FBI and starting a criminal investigation like that, it it probably would never see like a museum or something like that. It would be it would be yeah. locked away behind like doors being poked and prodded by by you know like criminal investigators and things like that for a really long time. What I'm super curious about, like, that whole theory is, what does a billionaire have to gain by getting rid of this Henson? Because Henson's not a billionaire. I don't think he could pay what a billionaire would think is worth for that kind of artifact, right? Exactly. And, and you know, I, I really, really just, it's, you know what it's like? Because this person doesn't have a face, doesn't have a name, doesn't have any sort of identity. The only, like, identifying trait is eccentric billionaire from California. So, Mm -hmm. it's very similar to, like, if you you, you come back from school, like, in, like, middle school or high school, and there's that one kid who goes, Yo, man, I got a girlfriend over the summer. You don't know her. She's from a different school. Or, like, we met at camp. You're not going to know her. And the person doesn't exist, but, like... That's that's what this kind of re- reminds me of and like resembles to me is just like, buddy, whether this is a, a tried and true hoax 100% or whether it's, you know, there there is some sort of like, you know, shady shit that went on behind the scenes and later became a hoax through like creating a rubber replica. It's it's the, this whole mysterious benefactor thing is legitimately just like it's 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 horseshit. He's he's just doing that so that there's a fall guy that isn't him. I could kind of see that, but I could also kind of see that. What if it wasn't Hinson that murdered anybody? What if it was this guy that remains nameless so that he can never be accused? Pays Hinson and says, "Ship this, get rid of this body for me. Just go." Like, here it is. Here's the money. Go. Get out. And Henson decides what better way to get rid of it than to show it off. Make more money on it. And that that's why he had a panic, went to Florida, and swapped out the body. You know what? That's actually not a bad idea, really. Like, or a bad theory. Because it's like, yeah. He, uh... It's because like I I genuinely think that one it's like there are people who have abnormally large amounts of hair on their body so they're like it's an exceptionally hairy creature well we don't know that we don't know if it's like abnormal it's like there are some people who have that like legitimately there you know like I said like it's not completely unusual for people to have slightly longer arms or slightly bigger hands or whatever. So it's like, and whatever else could have been altered after the fact, the upturned nose could have just been a broken nose that was fucked in such a way that it, when they froze it over, it just stuck, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it could have been any of that kind of stuff. And beyond that, um, I, I like the idea of drug smuggling via this corpse, you know, and that's something that I never really considered. And that opens a whole new level into this whole like criminal investigation that we're kind of concocting in our in our brains because it's like, you know, the only reason why Hansen al- allegedly said this is a fake, like it, it, I had to return the real one. This is a fake one. 
was because people started to ask questions people with authority like the the doctor who worked at the smithsonian and then they had people like you know i feel like if if people at this you know this doctor or if anyone with legitimate credibility had turned around and said yo guys at the fbi guys at you know department of agriculture or something to that effect like look look into this yeah this I mean, is worth look looking at, into absolutely we look at other hoaxes like later proven hoaxes they don't have any reason to run away and then come back with this knowledge that it's fake they just straight up say fine yes it's fake whatever get off my back uh the carrot of giant for instance like they just straight up said yep here you go it's fake sorry pt barnum's an ass but with this situation the guy had to run away first and it's like it doesn't if it's his murder if it's another person's murder or if it's something in between or something you know actually cryptid it's so strange that he ran away there was no purpose for him to do so and and i think that could also potentially tie into like this whole drug smuggling thing this this is opening a whole new new like just blew my mind it it opens a new door into possibility because it also could explain why Sanderson immediately changed his tune. It's like, what if, what if he looked into it? And like, this is, again, I'm not trying to get like sued for like libel or anything or slander or whatever the fuck, but it's like, it's fun to speculate. What if, you know, Sanderson and the other dude went to examine this corpse and Hanson was kind of just like, you know, at that point, the veneer is off and it's like, okay, this isn't like an ape-like human ancestor or something like that. It's not a missing link. It's like, yeah, no, I'm going to level with you guys. Like, some shady shit's going down. The right people or, like, the wrong people have eyes on it. So here is some drugs or here is some money and some drugs or just some money. You know, go publish your findings, wink, wink. And they go and publish their findings, and as soon as they go, well, it's a hoax, instead of coming out and saying, oh, it's not actually just a hoax, it's a hoax, and there's a lot of, like, crime activity stuff behind it, they go, oh, yeah, no, it's just a hoax, and that's the last I'll speak on the matter, have a good night, bye. Yeah, because I feel like Sanderson wouldn't want to be in any way, shape, or form attached to a straight-up murder or a drug smuggling prank. And plus, you got to think about it. Hanson is Hanson is somebody who runs a circus. He's not well off. Like P.T. Barnum was well off, but he was the exception, not the rule. Most of these sideshow guys were interesting and maybe okay, but they were not like big money makers. Like, you got to consider, like, in, in the 60s, he was charging 35 cents to look at this thing. You got to consider, like, dude would have had to have been carting this thing around, making, like, like charging up the, not up the ass, but, like, charging to a lot of people to really be able to collect anything and, and like, walk away with a healthy sum. Because you also have to consider, like, I wonder what the, the cost of just keeping the thing frozen would have been. Mm-hmm. Because that's a lot of ice. Like, a six-foot-tall person frozen solid with, like, an, a block of ice literally from its, its you know, ass-most ass-cheek to, like, in front of its face. It's, it's, that's a lot of ice. 
And to keep that frozen solid for years at a time is, it's, yeah, it costs money. And, and, you know, the other, to the uninitiated, they might turn away and say, oh, well, what about this mysterious benefactor? He might be paying him to cart this shit around. And it's like, eh, I have a feeling that if he's paying the dude, it's not to like put it on display for the world. It's keep him on ice and don't let people ask the wrong questions. Yeah, it's like, why would a mysterious benefactor want to do that as a billionaire? Why would he want to remain nameless if he was a billionaire and this was all just some haha hoax, some cool sideshow? Well, and look at look at guys like Robert Bigelow, right? Bigelow bought Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch for I don't even know how much money. And there's a lot of stigma tied around the property because obviously people look at it and they go, ah, oh, you're just a quack for believing in it. But then there are also people who look at like they buy into it and it's like this dude's a billionaire and he bought this ranch that's got all this purported you know paranormal activity and skinwalkers and ufos and all this fucking random shit happening and it's just like he he's front front and center on display like as soon as he came in he's like my my company is going to investigate this my name is attached to this like he he did not shy away from that that's when you know that there's not like there's there's stuff to lose of course but it's not like he needs to hide because there's stuff to lose mm-hmm. the, it, if there's any sort of benefactor in this i don't think that they're a millionaire or a billionaire i think that that it could be people with connections and with potential money that could be lost that would have or or has ties to stuff like if we're talking about the drug trade it's like it could be that they smuggled drugs they got rid of it or they still have it or just something to that effect and they're like well you know this ties us to that stuff so instead like even at that point it's like just bury the fucking body get rid of it throw it throw it in a fucking i don't know put it throw in a volcano like come on (laughs) like invent a volcano somewhere in you know like massachusetts and then just yeet it in there and then like there you go like end of story but instead they give it to this schmuck you know con man who's like i'm gonna parade it around for everyone to say you know like step step up step right up come one come all say the minnesota ice man shot in the back of the head by parties unknown and you're just like there's so many questions that i have and and i genuinely at this point in my investigation i firmly believe that it's not a cryptid i genuinely think that it's like a dude I think that, yeah. like, someone w- had the unfortunate misfortune. Unfortunate misfortune, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of getting shot in the back of the head to the point where, like, their eye becomes dislodged. And whatever happened after that, you know, it's, it's, there's just a bunch of question marks. It's like a blank screen until 1968, where this dude randomly shows up carting it around in an ice box. And it's, it's, yeah, I think it's more likely to be like a dude, whether it's, whether it's an American or someone overseas or whether it was someone in the Vietnam War, whether it was someone who was genuinely from Siberia or, or that part of the world who was shot. Like, it's just, it was a dude. Well, and I even think that that would actually make more sense on why he would be carted around in ice is because... He gets shot in Siberia. He gets shot in Vietnam, wherever this guy comes from. 
and gets carted overseas into the Americas. And suddenly, what are you supposed to do? How is Vietnam? How is uh, Vietnam and how are Siberia supposed to find this person at any point? True. I think I think that was the best way to dispose of this body. They were just like, get rid of it. And he thought he could just keep it on ice. Everything would be fine. And then Sanderson was like, mm, well, now I'm going to have the FBI come check you out. And Hanson was like, oh, son of a... So that's why he took off to Florida, where bodies go missing all the time. Yeah. Well, and the funny part, too, is, and and this has never been confirmed one way or the other, is, so... Uh, this wasn't a phone call. So what the the sequence of events is basically Sanderson and uh, the other dude. I'm not gonna I'll keep butchering his name anymore and <laughs> disgrace him further. But they they investigate this body. They say there's there's evidence of putrefaction where the ice has melted and exposed some flesh. They go without a doubt it's real. They publish in two separate publications in two different parts of Europe, Belgium and Italy. And then Sanderson basically takes it a step further and says, you know, he he turns into Indiana Jones for a second and goes, it belongs in a museum. And so he contacts like five separate departments of the U.S. Uh, government. And then he contacts his buddy at the Smithsonian, who he harped for years and years and years. And he you know his buddy's probably like all right well i can see the writing on the wall it's probably a dude who got shot that's a crime i'm gonna call the right people calls the fbi the and like at this point all of those uh governmental bodies basically were just like nah like we we're not interested it's a sideshow and so then you know probably through just the grapevine at the smithsonian word gets to john napier who is uh, the director of primate biology at the Smithsonian, who then goes, wow, this is really intriguing. Like he probably saw the pictures, whatever. And he goes, this is, this is really intriguing. So he writes a letter, you know, on his fucking typewriter or he handwrites it and he sends it off to Frank Hansen at his, his whatever mailing address gets a letter back from someone who claims to be his relative saying that that Hansen has disappeared and moved to Florida or California or somewhere. So literally opposite ends of the country. It's it's basically like saying he went to Earth. And it's just <laughs> like, like he's he's in place with capital city location and city is name, you know, and he says he goes the from what he's told me uh this mysterious benefactor has claimed the body and it is now impossible to examine so i'm calling bullshit i think that hansen wrote that letter and beyond that i i genuinely think he did disappear where he disappeared to completely up for debate it could have been california if any there's any merit to him saying that he knows people in california it could go the other way and and it could be florida it could be he could have stayed in minnesota for all we know and just been like hiding with the blinds shut in his house and you know yeah i think at that point that was when he realized okay there are genuine people who aren't just interested in carnies who have credibility who can get the wrong eyes on this and at that point, that's when he goes, I need to switch this out. 
you know, they, they said, like, uh, I know that they, um, I th I don't know if it was on Shipping Wars itself, but they did another kind of, um, like, pseudo-investigation and found that uh, through just kind of, like, experts' appraisals, which, take it with a grain of salt, because, you know, experts, you know, in that kind of field, when it comes to, like, special effects and stuff, might react slightly differently, so give or take. Mm -hmm. But they estimated that the amount of time, in, like, including the amount of time, effort, and just all the resources, materials, skill that would have gone into that kind of an operation in the 60s, it would have cost, in the 60s, about $3,500. Yeah, that would have been a ridiculous amount. So, it, like, a lot of money to fake. So, someone with money at least at that point would have had to have been able to pull that kind of a string to say, all right, the wrong eyes are on us at this point. So yeah, we're either going to stash the body away forever or we're going to just some like melt it or something. I don't know, but here's a fake because this is actually making money now. So let's just keep the, the, you know, keep the legend alive. Cause at least at that point you can keep parading it around making money. Well, Bob's your uncle. The there you off. go. Yeah, you can get the heat off of you as well because it's being toured. And that's the thing is is it disappeared for like 10 years or something like that. Like it disappeared, not maybe not 10 years, but it disappeared from like the late, late 60s into like the mid 70s. And that's when it reappeared and Buddy was like, it's a fake. So mm -hmm. what happened during that time? Why did it have to be missing for that long? My guess is because that's when they were making the dummy. Yeah, and how much do you want to bet that Hanson would then call, you know, Sanders and be like, if I go down, you're coming with me, my suggestion would be to change your story. Exactly. It's like you you and your, your buddy have both said that it's real, so you're going to say that it's fake, like I did, or else, like, you're, you stand to lose a lot. It's like, you stand to lose a lot more than I do. It's like, he's a promoter at a fucking carnival. Those two dudes have, like, actual careers, despite the fact that they're not actual careers. Mm-hmm. Like, you could lose everything. So, my suggestion is change your story. Because Sanderson buckled almost immediately. Uh, immediately. His buddy buckled, but not as quickly. And his statement was a little less concrete. Like, he basically just said, I was fooled. Like, he kind of just came forward and was like, well, shit. So, at that point, there's a lot more ambiguity behind what he was saying, at least. So, you could kind of, you're still, you're still hitting the nail on the head. You're still saying this is, like, I'm still saying it's a fake, but he's not saying, he's not jumping on the bandwagon and being like, here's all these reasons why it's fake. Do you want to see my notes? I have notes. Do you want to see my wall? I have a wall. And it's just like he's he's being purposefully quiet and that's a, like for the right reasons and so you know I, yeah i uh i think i think we kind of dug ourselves into a bit of a of a rabbit hole here because like it started out because i was like you know what it probably did involve some sort of overseas murder and Maybe it didn't even involve overseas murder. Maybe it involved fucking murder in the States. Who knows? But someone died and got shot in the head. Someone died and was then put on ice. And basically, like, a lot of holes exist in between that. And a lot of holes exist in between, 
you know, the right people starting to investigate it and this new dummy showing up. So it's like, you know, Frank Hansen passed away. Uh, I, I forget, I didn't write down the exact year, but he passed away well before uh, the replica was sold in 2013. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, anyone with like legitimate insight into this probably <laughs> is no longer alive. So, you know, it's one of those cases where you can't really like dig deep enough and be like, oh, I found this one person. It's like, you know, a lot of these people were, were pretty, you know, they were probably pretty up there in age in, in the 60s. Like, you know, like, you know, I'm not talking about like crotchety old men fucking wheeling a or spinning a cane around and, and talking about this at a sideshow. But like they were probably middle aged or something to that effect. And, and we're like, you know, yo, Probably. so I think to put a lid on this at the end, just to kind of seal this off is my closing thoughts my theory is that is thus it's this dude gets shot doesn't matter where dude gets shot somewhere in the world they then cover it up whether it's i think it it makes a little more sense if the dude was shot in the states or if it was like friendly fire let's say during the vietnam war or something like that whatever an American mm-hmm. citizen gets killed to cover it up and to potentially smuggle drugs. Whether drugs are involved is irrelevant, but like someone was killed and I, and that's enough to like get, get people, you know, in hot water. So to cover it up, they put this dude on ice. The person who was probably responsible or was at least involved in a larger capacity than Frank Hansen then pays to have this person put on ice then pays Mm -hmm. for Frank Hansen to like keep possession of this dude. He then starts charging people 35 cents to look at this alleged ice man whose identity has been altered so that they can't immediately look at the ice and be like, Oh, it's, you know, John Smith. And when the right people for us, the wrong people for them, start investigating, they then disappear for a bunch of years, probably, like, legitimately dispose of the body, and then spend 3500 give or take, dollars to create this replica to more or less put it to bed. And so they sacrifice their credibility, but he sacrifices any credibility he he's probably had for the rest of his life, but he's not serving time in jail. So it's like, you know, you win some, you dim some. Right. And it's like, how credible are you really when you're a sideshow, like, guy? So he already looks like a schmuck just because he's a carny. And he might as well just live the rest of his life kind of unknown and away from everybody. uh, Instead of going to jail where very possibly bad shit could happen to him because... In the 60s, jail's not a fun place to hang out. And the thing, too, is he, like, you know, with with how that kind of stuff is received, even, even in, like, the 70s and 80s, like, they probably would have done, you know, TV specials and documentaries and, and interviews where he could have profited off of the fact that he claimed it was a hoax. Like, he still could have made money after he lost everything. Like, all his credibility. He still could have gone out and been like, yeah. 
I hoodwinked everybody. So, and like, here's how I did it. And it's like, that's, he could have made up a story then too. And like, people would have been like, yeah, here's money, be on TV. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, I think that's it. Although at the end of the day, folks, the one true culprit behind all things, I think we all know this. I think we, you know what I'm going to say is the emotional support fish. God damn it, emotional support fish, why? I can, I can imagine, uh, just before we, we end here, one, one quick hypothetical. I can imagine a, you know, like, used car salesman, Dale Jimson, <laughs> or something like that, is like, he, he comes home and it's his birthday and it's like a surprise party and his five-year-old niece gets him a, a beta fish for his birthday and it's like hey, here you go uncle dale happy birthday and the second his hand connects with the bag like makes contact it's like some like demonic music starts playing and out of nowhere his hair just like frazzles his tie turns in like it just <laughs> leaps off his body and out of nowhere he turns to his wife and he goes martha the truth <laughs> is out there Thank you so much for listening. If you have suggestions regarding potential mysteries, or are a content creator who'd like to be featured as a guest on the show, send me a message on Twitter at STFUCrewReborn. If you'd like to catch the show when it's live, follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash MattSTFU. Links to everything, including the featured guest, will be provided in the show notes. I'm Matt STFU signing off. Stay safe and stay mysterious.